The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hey everybody, I'm Joe Costello, and we are back with another edition of Hidden Horsepower. That's right, speaking with engine builders around the country, around the world, about how they find that last bit of horsepower. And my co-host once again from Total Seal Piston Rings, Mr. Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales. Keith, you're back. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I hope everybody out there is doing well, staying safe, you know, doing their distancing, wearing their mask, you know, doing the, we'll say, doing the things to stay, you know, healthy and safe. And, uh, you yeah, know, we're doing good out here in Phoenix. And thank gosh, it's finally under 100 degrees. What a summer, folks. There you go. And me in sunny South Florida, Miami area, we're under 100 as well, as in 100% humidity. So things are looking up. We're very excited. <laughs> you know, Keith, since the last time we spoke, one of the most recent episodes out there was our gapless piston rings myths and misconceptions episode. People were really liking that because you were just rattling off information that was uh, so useful. I'm very excited to be back. But in this this case, we're going to go back with an engine builder, quite the legend, Newton, Iowa, Al Parker Racing Engines. Now, Al has done some great things, a lot of legends of sprint car racing. I want you to set the table before we talk to Al. What can we expect? This guy's had an incredible career. Well, Al, Al's one of those you know, very unique, great guys. I mean, first of all, i got to say just, I mean, what a great guy Al is. Yeah, I've known Al for Oh gosh, got to be 22, 23 years. I've been working with Al, and he's just—he's he, just a wealth of knowledge. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Uh, he's a real thinker. He's helped to develop a lot of the products that are that are used today, from cylinder heads to intake manifolds to you know dry sump tanks and systems. He's—you know—he dives into the parts that are out there and says, "Hey, we, you know, we can do this better. We can." You know, we can redesign this. And he ends up working with guys like, you know, Moroso and, and Dick Maskin from Dart and places like this, you know, redesigning, redeveloping, you know, camshaft profiles. I mean, it's it's honestly a shorter list of things that Al hasn't dove into. Uh, so he, he's, he's a, you know, he's a real thinker, a real innovator. Uh and you know, and a and a drag racer too. Uh, Al ran IHRE Pro Stock. He builds mountain motor stuff. Uh, again, you're kind of like, what what hasn't he worked on? Uh, and, and again, back to and just and and what just a great guy, just a great individual. And I'm uh, very honored and proud to say and call him a friend. Well, that's exciting, and that's exactly the kind of personalities we want to highlight on this podcast. I want to remind all the listeners out there: number one, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can find the podcast in those places or just go to the brand new TotalSeal.com website. When you're looking for your next set of rings, you can find it right down there at the bottom, Hidden Horsepower, and share the show. Your friends who are interested in this kind of thing, let's face it, not everybody is an engine builder, but the people who want to be and find out that knowledge, they have been loving this show. So let's go and get it started. Let's bring him on from Newton, Iowa, Parker Engines. Mr. Al Parker, welcome to Hidden Horsepower. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you. So what Keith said about you, do you concur? What do you think about his, uh, like, that was a glowing introduction. Uh, he's, a, he's a great friend, very knowledgeable, and he gets me out of a lot of trouble when we make things. So they're always helpful, and you don't have to buy 100 sets. I mean, you can you can count on them to do a one-set-off thing if you have to have it. So without them, we couldn't do what we do. 
very cool. And you're the first person to ever say that Keith is a good guy. Just kidding, of course. <laughs> of course. Now, Keith mentioned something. I paid him to say that. Of, of, well, you know what? Listen, there's so much mutual respect in this business, and we've learned it on the podcast. Like, everybody... They keep track of one another, and uh, even if they're maybe rivals on the track or trying to outbuild horsepower, there is just such an intense respect. Al, I want to talk about the technology and the details, but it's always important to know how you got started in this. So what was the spark that lit the flame that has you now, years later, doing so much building engines? Well, I actually just started... I drag raced for years and years and, and did uh, B-Gas. I did Pro Stock, AHRA Pro Stock, some NHRA Pro Stock, some IHRA, UDRA. Did a bunch of different Pro Stock areas. And in Iowa at that time, that was back in the 70s, there really wasn't a lot of machine shops over here that was qualified to do national record stuff. So anyway, we just started out and i actually got hooked up with ralph at troopy cling years and years ago and uh, ralph did a lot of my machine work and it was taken over to hoffman and so anyway i would just buy parts from him and he would get my machine work done and i put them together and pretty soon i started selling and then it got to the point where i couldn't race without building too much so that's how he kind of ended up just racing a little bit and building more. So that's where it started. And it has clearly gone very well. Uh, we, b- before the show, folks, I asked for a, a couple of racers that Al's built racing engines for, and the list is incredible. We could probably, Keith has not had an engine built by Al just yet, but all the other greats. Al, who are some of the people, this is an incredible list, who are some of the people you've built engines for? Well, in the sprint car world, it's, did with a lot of them. I mean, Sammy Swindell and I are good friends, and I've done it for him for a long time, and he's slowly getting into the more into the retirement side, but he still races, and I still do stuff for Sammy. Um, but I've done stuff for Lasoski, I've done stuff for Delansky, I've done stuff for oh, Kinsers, Carl and Steve. I've just quite a few for, I'd have to think about it, but a lot of them, yes. And Keith, that's just uh, that's why we do this show, right? It, for, for Al, it's a customer, and he wants to do a great job. But if you're a fan of sprint car racing, like these are the icons of the sport. A- absolutely, Al's done it for. I mean, like I said earlier, it's probably a shorter list of people he hasn't done engines for uh, over the years, and and that's not even touching on all the drag race stuff. I mean, I, I keep beating Al up because he's got a. Would you say he's got a? He's got a couple different shops. And one of them, he's got just an absolutely beautiful, uh, I believe it was a top sportsman car sitting there that, you know, I know he's got a big engine for it and get it back in there and, you know, get Al back on the drag strip. Because I, I would just say, I know I know he's itching to go quarter mile racing again. Tell us about it, Al. Yeah, I'm, I'm close. I just, I've got a 632 that we're doing for that one. So, but uh, yeah, I just dinered it last week. Just, I think we did 1440s out of it last week so no nitrous just aspirated but it did 1100 foot pounds of torque so it's first automatic i've ever had i've always had sticks i've never had anything with automatic so new adventure wow very interesting and keith said you were a closet drag racer doesn't sound like uh there's anything hidden about it 
at all that you, you look like you're ready to go and dive back in if you can find the time. We do quite a lot of a lot more than people know. It's just I have to always, it's second string now because we're so busy with the other. But it's not always personally what I want to do. It's just sometimes what you have to do, so... The business, exactly, and uh, they are, from what we've learned on this show, not exactly the same, how you would build an engine to make max power over a quarter mile at a time as opposed to managing that power band for sprint cars. One of the biggest things I would say here that's helped us the most is, is the drag racing. I mean, sprint car people don't like to hear that about drag racers, but... It's the truth that technology comes from the drag racing side, and being able to do both has helped me a lot. I've been able to work on the horsepower and then be able to work on the longevity of the sprint car and find a medium. And I, we kiddingly call our good 410 outlaw engines and that are mini pro stocks. So we, we like to change the bank angles and relocate and move and different diameters, things that normally the sprint car world wouldn't get into yeah and, and that's you know, i was just going to touch on that because it, it again it's not that others can't or or it's maybe just they don't they won't but i've been at al's shop and watching al like you said changing bank angles rolling the decks you know working on lifter angles i mean he's you know he's he's thinking you know pro stock technology and and putting it into the sprint car engine because these things are you know nine thousand plus rpm now and you know making you know, right at a thousand horsepower, and yet you want to go out and run thirty shows with the thing, and it's a, it's amazing the work he's had to do to, you know, to get that, as he said, that durability, longevity in there. But one of the, I know one of the challenges over the years, you know, is is sealing these things up really well, and you know, getting them to pull vacuum in the bottom end, and Al stuff pulls vacuum, and I know that you know one of the things Al works on, we we had this conversation that. You know, nobody owns the block or finish owns the block but out. You know, he's got other guys working for him. But when it comes to that, that that hands-on, you know, Al touch to get it right. And, and uh, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, Al, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where you were going, you know, what we've talked about in the past. Oh, definitely. Importance of that, you know. I mean, we use the gauges and we use the technology, and Keith always gets me into the areas that we need to be. And then I feel it's just – your application, you know, what you're doing. I mean, we use the dynos and the blow-by meters, and we just we look at the pan vac, and, and so we play and we change and cross angles, and we do different areas there that until we kind of see on the dyno what it's telling us. And then after that, we religiously kind of stay right there with the pressures and, you know, everything that we program the machines for. So it's very important. How has Total Seal and uh, working with a guy like Keith advanced your willingness to try things? We always hear that people that, uh, you know, try this, try this, and, and, and maybe taking out of a comfort zone or something that has worked in the past to try something new. And maybe it works or maybe it doesn't work, but typically there's a story or two. Well, the biggest thing I can think of right off is we've had several things that I've tried to reinvent the wheel on, and I get it all done, and and I've learned not to do that. But when I get it all done, and the last thing I need is a set of rings, and nobody has anything for what I made, that's where Keith and I truly got together because he wasn't afraid to go in there and try to make what we had already 
I mean, otherwise I would have had to scratch everything and start all over again. So, I mean, I tried everywhere to get some of those things made and I couldn't get it done. So, like I said, they just, they work with you. They will go in there and do you a one-off set if that's what you need. They're willing to experiment. They want to learn as much as we do. So it, without them, I can't do it. That's all there is. And thanks, Al. Al, like I said, Al comes at me with ideas. We bounce stuff off each other. What do you think about trying this? What do you think about trying that? Uh, it, it's It's been a fun relationship because, as Al says, he's always trying to kind of reinvent the wheel and what can we do different, what can we do better, and, you know, how do we do that? So that that's what – you know, that's the kind of stuff that challenges us is to is to try those different things and go, hmm, you know, that that's a that's a good idea. Let's try that. And that's the we'll just say that's the epitome of working with Alan. I know he's done that to just about every kind of a part out there, you know. <laughs> the reinventing the wheel, it takes a certain kind of mind to try that. And sometimes it works, but other times it doesn't work. Do you have any examples as we have people who are listening who we want to encourage creativity, of course, don't be afraid, but at the same time, you, you got to fail forward. And uh, is there an example of something that you tried to do, Al, that, well, it didn't quite work out, but maybe we can all learn from it? It's a lot harder today. It used to be that if you were doing experimental, there are the, I mean, there was a lot of customers back in the day that would give you money i mean 20 grand or 30 grand or something to reinvent the wheel for particularly for them but today's structure there's not really anybody that i mean if you're going to do it today and i still do but if you do it today it's your own money it's your own time it's your own dyno facilities it's all the people in the shop it's your fuels it's I mean, if you're going to R&D today, and that's why you're going to see that the R&D side has slowed down a little bit. There's Nobody's getting paid for it unless you just have it in heart and want to do it. Uh, and, 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 and Al's the guy, and, and it is tough. Like you say, the, you know, the budgets are tighter. Everybody's running on less, you know, less engines in the trailer. Uh, rebuilds have to come in and get knocked out, you know, drop it off on Monday, pick it up on Thursday mentalities. Uh, so it, it's definitely tighter, and I and I definitely understand where Al's at, and and, and agree with that. You know, the the R and D funds just aren't there. But thank gosh for again guys like Al that are willing to you know we'll say fund this out of their own pockets to some extent uh, to find that because I know there's little you know little curiosities all the place and little things. I remember a story Al told me about oh quite a few years ago on a on a sprint car intake manifold and redesigned redeveloped. You know, took it upon himself and and redeveloped an entire you know the the entire intake manifold system for a 410 sprint car, and I remember this story that he told me. Oh, it picked up torque. It did everything better. But the number one question from the customer was, "How much does it weigh?" Yeah, I heard I a chuckle back there. <laughs> yeah, I do remember well. Uh, <laughs> but some of the people are very weight conscious, and some of them are weight conscious and it doesn't matter and some of them are weight conscious and they they truly know so the people uh, that was actually carl kinzer but uh, i remember i thought he was going to really like it and he said that it was six pounds heavier that far up he didn't want nothing to do with it get it off of there <laughs> wow but but yet it made more power <laughs> oh yes but he just he was the wizard when it comes to those sprint cars and, and in terms of that, you're you're 
trying to find power, but also longevity. You mentioned budgets are tighter. And what are you finding? Are people willing to sacrifice some horsepower for some longevity and maybe not having to refresh an engine quite as often? Like, what's going on out there right now for you, Al? Well, you know, I think anything today, if you're going to have success in it, the biggest thing there is is repeat business. There's not enough customers out there to be able you know, to dance around and go from one customer to another. And if it didn't work and he's mad at you, go on down the road. Because even if you don't get him, he's going to tell 100 people. So the bottom line is, is that you have to do your R&D and your experimental stuff. I do that in my own campground with my own sprint car teams. And, you know, I, we've won a championship the last 10, 11 years at Knoxville in the 360. And I've won the 410 two years ago. We won the 305 the year before. I won all three that one year. It's to win championships is to never be laying alongside the road. You've got to finish every night. So that's what will bring you the customers. That's what will bring you it, it, the R&D is our deal. Before you send it out, you got to make sure that something that lives. So I think it just comes hand in hand together. You can't have something that sets a world record and can't come around for the second lap. And nobody wants that. Nobody can afford that. Copy that. I was going to ask Al, Al if, if you know, you know, let's say you know, my last name was Bezos, and I could come to you with all the money in the world and say, Al, I want you to build me, I want you to R&D for me what you think needs to be worked on. You know, drag race engine, sprint car engine, if you, if you just had a bucket of money there, what, what direction would you go? What part of it would you want to, you know, dive into, you know, cylinder head or camshaft, or where do you think there's, you know, there's, there's room to, you know, to be the next evolution of the next leap? What's your, what's your thoughts there, Al? Induction is definitely the area in cam profiles. There's just so many things out there you can buy today. That's a big difference is from back when people got really famous and this and that, and they were so much better than everybody else, was the fact that you you did that. You R&D. That was for that team. They, nobody else could buy that. You know, now... I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. If you can afford to buy it, you can buy it. And that's not what it was in the 70s and the 80s and that. You know, it's just so every person can pick up the phone and get the block and the crank and the rods and the pistons. It's the fact of getting that little extra, you know, something that is a secret part of it. It's something in the cylinder head, something in the cam profiles something in the manifold but the rest of it's just open to the world and that it's a that's a good thing but it makes it a little more challenging for you we we've told stories and heard stories about going to junkyards and searching for blocks the good block from the good foundry and fortunately racers don't have to go on those hunts anymore but that has kind of leveled the playing field and so i think makes guys like you more important the biggest thing it'll come up into is when you're doing, we do a lot of the ASCS 360s, and the biggest thing there is there, that's supposed to be a deal that everybody's on equal grounds. But what 
what makes them so expensive is the fact if it was an open head, every person could go buy a $15,000 pair of cylinder heads and put on there. And even if you didn't get full potential out of it, you're going to pick up 100 horse from where you were. But when you can't do that, that's where we put so much effort into the blocks. I mean, we sit there and we have a $10,000 block. By the time we relocate, do change bank angles, relocate the lifter boards, make cam cores to apply with that. I mean, once you move one thing, it's a whole bunch of people involved. It's not just the one thing that you moved. So everything you're doing in the ASCS thing, you've got to spend a ton of money because you're doing this and coming up with four horse. You're doing this to come up with three horse. You're doing this to come up with six horse. There's so much money and so much effort put into that engine to come up with 40 horse and not be able to do it in the cylinder head, it's that's a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of money. I love that you went there with that. The unintended consequences of rules makers trying their best to keep costs under control and instead causing other things to happen. I think that's something that spans across motorsport. It is just a lot tougher. I mean, I've, I've did several things that we did to certain classes, and and the gentleman, I remember the gentleman calling me up and telling me that he was going to have to make my engine illegal. He had won, and I said, why? I talked to you. I give you every information. I did everything that you asked. You sent me the sheets. He said, yeah, but when he won, we took it down, and we got in there, and we saw things in there that we didn't even know exist. And I says, well, it wasn't on your paperwork. Yeah, he says, but we didn't know it exists. He says, that's not fair to my engine builders. I says, well, then it sounds like to me they need to get a better engine builder. And, you know, it went on and on. And he finally told me, he says, well, we can argue about this all day, but I run this deal and this thing will never race in that state again, he told me. See, but that ain't cheating. Just because they didn't know about it, he didn't have it in the rules. Right. That's innovation. That's what racing has been built upon since Jump Street. And Keith, I'm sure you run into that all the time. People trying to be innovative. Yeah, it, it, they do. And, and and as Al said, I don't think they should be penalized for it. You know, if the sanctioning body, you know, either doesn't know that these are things that could be done or doesn't have anybody on their staff, uh, you learn from it. Like all of us, we learn from our, you know, not to call it a mistake, but we learn from that. So if they pulled Al's engine down, and they saw things that, whoa, hey, there was nothing in the rule book that said this, well, that's fine. Then Al figured it out. Al deserves to have the advantage uh, until next year's rule book comes out. And if you want to rewrite the rule book at that point in time, but, you know, to, 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 you know in my eyes, you know, to penalize a guy for being innovative and creative and, and come up with, you know, something the other guys didn't think about and then shut him down, that's not right. That, to me, that's what racing's about. It's about innovation. It's about figuring out the things the other guys didn't figure out. And then, like I said, if next year's rule book comes along, you want to make the change, that's fine. But you don't just slap a guy down for, you know, for being innovative and creative. Uh, I think that's part of what's missing in a lot of forms of racing these days is, you know, trying to level that playing field to the point that it's so boring it's no fun to watch. Uh, creation and innovation, that's racing, and that, that's, that's my look at it. Well, I agree. And, if it, you know, if, you, if I had to do cookie cutters, then... I would probably retire. The biggest thing there is right now, it's what is so ridiculous is 
what they're trying to do to mandate the fact that everybody can try to afford to race. When when you change the rules for people that can't afford to race, you're pissing off the people that can't afford to race, and they'll leave the class. And now you got a bunch of people that bitched about everything, and it doesn't matter. They're still going to be last place. So you you lost your good people try to take care of four or five people that shouldn't have been in the class in the first place. And then when I see the people that are coming in here to buy street rods, I mean, I have done 1,200 horse street rods on gas, E85. These people, there's no rules. They, I mean, I have more, more that I can do with a street rod than I can do with a race engine. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. Wow. So that's just the way I feel about it. But. Yep. That's very interesting, and that's why we do this show, right, Keith? We want to know, uh, put our thumb on the pulse of what's going on out there, and I know for a fact that there are sanctions and rules makers and tech guys that are listening to this podcast right now that it's good that they, they hear that. We want, we want a healthy motorsport. Without a doubt. I mean, one of the things Al brought up, and you know, I won't get into the specifics of it, but there's a series that we deal with, and you know they were trying to contain costs, just as Al said, and they made you know some some ring rule changes, some valve train changes, uh, you know uh, things that they thought as the sanctioning body they're going to save all this money, and, and literally they have added you know hundreds of thousands of dollars expense to all the teams because they've had to, as Al would, you know knows, reinvent the wheel. You just don't simply change these parts. And do this. You, you've got to, you know, it's got to have R&D engines built, you know, test engines built, all these things built. Uh, and, and ultimately, they've gone backwards, you know, and that happens so many times. And it's neat to see, as, as Al said, you know, like the street race, I should say street performance engines, you know, uh, the grudge race stuff that's out there, uh, you know, where they really don't have, you know, they've got some rules, but not a lot. And, and there's a lot of innovation going on and making some big power in that stuff, simply because they're not hampered by the rule makers. You know, trying to, you know, I'm air quoting here, contain costs. No, I totally agree. That's what I'm saying. It's just we're losing racers because of the cost. And, and I mean, we all know that the, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, the payouts today are not what they were 10 years ago in a lot of this stuff. I mean, like I said, I hate to bring that up, but it's just it's just the truth. I can remember the world of outlaws. I can remember the even the standard sprint car series and and how many big races there were. I mean, even the three sixties with ten thousand seventy five hundred dollar you know purses and things. I mean, on the nose, I, it's just you don't see hardly any of that anymore. And, and unfortunately, on our end, I mean. You could buy a really, really good engine for twenty five thousand ten years ago, but the engines today—I mean, a, a good three sixties over sixty thousand. You know, so you can you can buy a really good one from fifty five to sixty. Well, the purses are less than they were, and the engines are three times as much. I mean, it's just going the wrong way. So we just have a lot of people that are taking that money and going different ways with it. A gearhead's a gearhead till he dies. He may change over into a motorcycle or boats. He may go street rods, but he 
he's still a gearhead. We just got to keep him involved in whatever he's interested in. So that's why I'm wide open. I've, I just feel that you never want to put all your apples in one basket because everything's going to go up and down sometime. I like it. I like it. I do, I do want to ask, though, just because uh, what do you think the solution to this problem is in that uh, you, you just laid it out there? A good engine is three times as expensive as it was, but to win a race, you're not getting as much as you used to. And so that is pretty easy to understand. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, someone thought like, hey, let's come up with all these rules to limit stuff, and we see that that's not working. Is there a solution that could work, something you've thought of, kicked around, you want to throw out there, now would be the time. Well, I've tried everything I can think of, and the biggest problem is if I try to conduct an engine program to be economically feasible, the solution is only a problem because they won't take it to where it was built. If they if they want to spend that amount of money and have a 600 horse engine they'll be happy for the first three months and pretty soon they're going over there and trying to race with these guys that's got the 800 horse engine and either they can't compete or it won't live they can't run them that hard you can't go to them big half miles and that you can go to the little racetracks where they're not hooked up and have a lot less durable engine and bring it home every night you can't go to knoxville and run that wide open up around the fence for 25 laps and never lift and and have your twenty thousand dollar engine i, I love the well, I, I love that you're laughing say, yeah, you can but it's only going to go about three laps yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the point i mean it's just, you're not going to bring it home that's my point and so when you try to do them a favor you didn't do a favor. All you did was they ain't racing, they're broke, and now we're the idiot because our stuff broke. It's just they took it to the wrong place. You know, I I was at a meeting once, a pro-stock deal, and there was a bunch of us there, but I, I remember Jim Gates saying to Warren Johnson, didn't that make you mad when the people were running nitrous and you lost the championship and you would have won if they hadn't have been cheating? And he says, well, they didn't cheat. And I remember Yates say, what do you mean they didn't cheat? He says, nah, they just entered in the wrong class. <laughs> so that's kind of the same thing. These people, they, they just went to the wrong place. See what I mean? They didn't have the right iron to go there. I got it. I love that we're getting a Warren Johnson, Jim Yates, uh, Dodge Boys reference while we're talking sprint cars <laughs> in the middle of Hidden Horsepower. I love that. Like, come on, talk about legendary stories in the world of motorsports. Like, that is one, and that's why you should subscribe to this podcast, folks. You just never know what you're going to get. Al, let me ask you about your facility. Uh, Keith was really talking it up like uh, old-school dealership. You've done a lot. You've got all kinds of equipment. Lay it out for us best as you can. Well, I mean, I do try to keep as much of the equipment that I can possibly do. We CNC's everything and computers. 
I remember getting into the computers in the 80 when it used to be the old Tandy stuff. You know, that was the best there was way back then. And everybody was giving me so much stuff about what does a machine shop need a computer for? And I said, I'm telling you in the futures, it's going to be where we need to be. So I've always tried to put the money into the equipment, the CNCs, everything that I can do, the mathematics, all the computer stuff for the camshafts. I mean, it's just, you, you know, I just feel it's like this. If you, if you don't know how you got something and you lose it and you'll, the rest of your life you'll try to find it again, there's nothing more aggravating because you had it and now you don't. And if you just throw stuff at things and you never know how you got there, you can't duplicate it. I don't want to be able to climb the ladder on the third row, fall off, and don't know how to get back to that third row again. And that's where the computer stuff is. The math is all there. They sent a person to the moon and back with math. They've never been there. You know, it's, it's a real deal. I've talked to a lot of engine people and stuff, and they don't do it that way, but they have the funding. And you'll go over there, and there'll be 25 camshafts that's there. And that's how they find it. They R&D it. They dyno it. They go to the racetrack with it. They just keep trying different things. I don't, I don't think you need to do it that way. I think you need to do it in other manners. But that's just my personal opinion. Wow, Keith, that's interesting, just uh, the methodology of how to get back to that third rung of the ladder, so to speak. Yeah, Al, and, and that's why I said early on, you know, Al's a, Al's a thinker. He's looking at the math. Uh, he and I have had this conversation many, many times. It's, it's, it's all about the math. Uh, you, if you look at, you know, camshaft load profiles, you know, port locations, port designs, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're simply looking at the math, it, it's right in front of you, and you know, granted, you know, we, we, you know, this this whole industry in this country is founded on, you know, that you know, this cycling parts and trying things. You, you know, we're never afraid to try stuff. But as Al's methodology, you know, of looking at the science and looking at the math of of how this works, why this works, and if I do this and I do this, it should react like this. If I make this change, it should react like that. Uh, you know, I've spent many, many days discussing those things in you know in in the past and. Uh, and, and Al definitely will say that that's his that's his modus operandi. This is how he this is his methodology. This is how Al works, and uh, we'll just say he's he's done very very well using that uh, using that all these years. Well, and again, the, you don't have the people today that want to spend the money for twenty five camshafts and all the work and the dyno time. And let's face it, a racer today he wants it tomorrow. That's a, that's another thing that we don't have. Where before you could sit there and have a whole winter, a whole year to R and D and have something for the next year. I mean that the people got to have that thing next Friday. Now <laughs> it's different, you know. So very interesting, Keith. I want you to plan your final comments for Al, but I got to ask you, Al, uh, Newton, Iowa. I am under the impression that you guys went through a pretty severe weather incident. I know people who keep track of those things. Uh, they hear uh, Newton, Iowa, and uh, you guys were in the news not that long ago. How did you guys make out with that? We're still trying to get back. I've got three facilities that's got the roofs tore off, and we're 
get we've got the rain out of two of them but yeah there was a hundred mile an hour winds for 30 minutes and i mean it truly destroyed a bunch of things wow as someone who lives through those uh situations occasionally here in uh you know fort lauderdale florida area we're in hurricane country the idea that you guys were sprung with that did you have any warning did you know it was coming or did this just happen no, it was actually interesting, if you want to know that. I was actually dynoing a drag race big block two four-barrel engine, and we had it in there running. And I said to one of the guys, what is that noise? Something sounds wrong. So I shut it off. I thought it was something in the engine. And I shut it off, but I still had the noise. And that's how I found out what was going on. I went over and opened, made the mistake of opening the door. It hit me right in the nose and knocked me clear back. It was a 100-mile-an-hour wind. I couldn't hardly get the door shut. So, yeah, it, there was no warning at all. Wow. Yeah, we get days and days warning, and we can batten down the hatches, and we've got all these building codes that are designed for that kind of stuff. And you guys, just to get surprised with that, oh, my goodness, what a nightmare. We're on a recovery road, though. That is great news. Keith, final questions for Mr. Parker from Parker Racing Engines. Well, I guess you know I'd have to go to it. You know, what's the what's the next big project, Al? What's your next? You know, what's the next thing you want to work on? You know, and the question is, how can we help you? You just say the word. Yeah. No, I am. I've got. There's a there's a new piece of in the AS sprint car world that we are working on blocks um, and we've been oh year and a half on trying to get this stuff and I finally got some of them in my hands right now so that's something this winter that we're going to work on really really hard and it's I mean it's for horsepower but it's more for torque and longevity than it is the power ranges there's so many things in the racetracks today that the power end of it it really I don't believe any of us are really short on it. It's just that the money's not there. The racetracks don't have the money. They don't have the money for water. They don't have the money for the all oh, the people, the diesel fuel, the equipment. I mean, the tires. I mean, just nothing is keeping up with the engine program. Everything else is going the other direction. So we just need to worry about making it drivable and have longevity, and I, and I think it'll be very successful. Very cool. At the conclusion of each episode of Hidden Horsepower, it, it, I like to think that we've got our next generation, it's a podcast after all, uh, next generation of Al Parkers out there coming up, trying to make their way, building their first engines, trying to figure out the right things to do, calling Keith Jones for the first time, that kind of deal. Uh, I would love if you if you could uh, give some advice to those people. Uh, they want to have a career in this field, and boy, they would love to learn from some of your wisdom. What would you say to those people out there who are trying to make their way in this field and uh, and have a living in engine building and machining? Well, I personally, I I would tell anybody if they're getting into it to not try to be everything. Pick a glitch. Pick something that you're good at. Try to be really, really good in something instead of just mediocre in everything. I mean, that's exactly where I would go with it. So, I don't know, if it's a carburetor, fuel injection, or if you're just into block work or 
but something that you can specialize in. If you do the same thing that everybody else is in, you're in the same market, you're going to have to get $45 for it because that's what they get. You're going to get $100 because that's what they get. I have never liked that. I want to do something that I can get paid for my man time, hours, and, and I want to specialize in that. So I, I would pick something that you're really, really good at or that you're going to get really, really good at and, and go after it. That's great advice. Keith? I, I agree. You know, it's, it was, what I experience every day talking to different customers, different clients, and what Al just said, I see is happening more and more all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll have a customer that, you know, is an engine shop, but they do, like Al said, maybe they're into cylinder head work or maybe they're into manifolds or whatever, uh, carburetors, and, and that's really what they do, and They'll farm the other pieces out, you know, the block work, the you know, valve train work to other places, and then they do the assembly work. So there, I, I see more and more specialty things happening all the time, and and customers doing very well at it. Amazing, Al. Great job here on Hidden Horsepower. Really appreciate learning about your uh, your career and uh, thought process on how to get there. This was a great episode, uh, Keith. Another winner. Uh, and thank you again. I, you know, it's an honor to work with guys like Alan to work in this industry and, and to be around such very, very talented guys. Uh, you know, they, they, they help make us look good. Al, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate uh, getting a deep dive into your uh, thoughts, concepts, and ideas. And uh, I'll apologize in advance for Keith. Whatever it is that he does, I'm apologizing in advance. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Al, thanks again. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure as always. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Anytime. Thank you. There he goes. Al Parker, Keith, you were dead on the money with that one. He was great. Al, Al, like I said before, Al's a great guy, real thinker, uh, you know, a little, little quiet. You know, he, he's, he's, I'll say this nicely. He's no, he, he's not a Tom Martino. Uh, Al's a, Al's a to the point guy and, and darn good folks. Just love him. Not a Tom Martino, but who can be? But if we're going to compare the two, Martino had a Warren Johnson story. Al had a Warren Johnson story. They both gave credit to drag racing for success in some form of sprint car or, uh, or dirt track racing or round track racing. So the, uh, commonality between the two is there. One final thread, Al doesn't seem like the kind of person who is going to hold his tongue if he's got an opinion, and that's exactly what we like on this show. Oh, absolutely. Al's going to tell you, you know, where the rubber hits the road. He's going to tell you, you know, he, bottom line, Al's going to tell you, and, and he and I have had those conversations. Uh, he's not going to hold back. If he doesn't agree with you, he's going to tell you. If it's not going to work, he's going to tell you why it's not going to work. Uh, he, he's that guy. And, and, and the comment about both, he and Tom both said in the, in the best possible light because they're, they're, they're both great, great people, just very different personalities. Amazing stuff. So for the people out there listening, Keith, they're working on an engine from a bracket engine to a street engine to a stock eliminator engine all the way up the ladder, and they're listening to Hidden Horsepower, and they're thinking, all right, I'm going to try Total Seal. What should they do? Oh, you got to reach out to us. Get, you know, either come to the website, totalseal.com. Uh, you know, you can look at you know myself, my ugly mug, the other guys and gals. Uh, you can reach out to us via email. Call us, 800-874-2753. 
reach out to us. We want your conversation. We want to talk to you. We want to know what it is you're doing. What do you want out of it? What do you expect out of it? We've got so many new products, new you know, you know it's our new gas ported top rings to total conform rings to the gapless rings. We're just constantly trying to come up with the next new thing, just like Al and all the other guys that we deal with. There, there's, you know, the the customers like Al had talked about. You know, they you know the power levels. Uh, you know, they probably got more than they could use, but you want to know what? They never. I can't tell you in all the years I've done this, has anybody ever walked up to me at a PRI show or a SEMA show and said, you know what? I'd like about 25 less horsepower. I just have too much. That's never part of a conversation. It's always, what do you got? What can I do to make more power? We always want more. And that's what drives us here. Love it. Absolutely love it. He is Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales for Total Seal. My name is Joe Costello. Keith, great job as usual. Thank you again. And thank you, Joe. Appreciate you taking time out of your day. We'll have more episodes of Hidden Horsepower. If you haven't heard them all, they are waiting for you as we speak. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or if you just want to go to the TotalSeal.com website, go to the bottom. You'll be able to navigate to each episode and check it out. My name is Joe Costello, at WFO Joe on Twitter and Instagram. I do a podcast called WFO Radio and just love what we're doing here with the best of the best when it comes to engine building. That's going to do it for this episode of Hidden Horsepower. We'll see you next time.